0: Welcome to the Voice of Insurance. I'm Mark Gagan. Now, earlier in the month, global broker Gallagher bought out 100% ownership of Capsicum Re. That's the reinsurance broker it founded as a joint venture with former Benfield boss Graham Chilton back in 2013. In its six years in operation, Capsicum has grown to become the fifth largest reinsurance broker. And as such, the move successfully caps decades of frustrated ambition within Gallagher's to break into the reinsurance world. So following the deal, the voice of insurance caught up with Capsicum CEO Rupert Swallow and Simon Mattson, who is the CEO of Gallagher's UK broking and underwriting division. I very much enjoyed my time with Simon and Rupert, and I hope you do too. Uh, As you'd imagine, there's all the talk about what the plans are for Gallagher's new reinsurance intermediary, but there are a lot of other market insights blended in, which I think are worth tuning in for. Now, the first voice you'll hear after mine uh, belongs to Rupert, and then it's over to Simon. What's the scale of your ambition now that you've 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 got the resources of a major global intermediary behind you, Rupert? You've just done this deal.
1: So, the scale of the um, ambition is really um, at, at, the, at the moment is no is no more than to to start off on the next phase of the Capsicum development journey. The first phase is very clearly defined as start a company, build a company, sell a company, do all of that in the vision of Gallagher, uh, make the company um, uh, such that Gallagher would be proud to, to own 100% of it. That was what the mission statement of the phase, uh, the first phase was, and, and, and as, as you say, we successfully completed on that last last Monday. Um, uh, and And now, Um, It's, well, how do we take everything that we've done over the last uh, five years of trading um, and find a way to maximize that opportunity um, to deliver uh, for Gallagher um, a a thriving, uh, growing uh, reinsurance opportunity by dialing into all of their skills, their capabilities, their relationships. Um, so that's quite a long wishy-washy kind of so to
0: re- yeah, um, throw it over to Simon you know I mean your, 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 are um, I suppose Rupert's reporting to you you um, can say so is it really about building something that could challenge challenge the big three reinsurance brokers
2: uh, yeah ultimately yes of course it is but I think um, to Rupert's point I think it's not the ter- there isn't a target with a dollar revenue or a headcount size at the end of it you know clearly we want it to be grow clearly we want it to be profitable but I think it's you, you know much like a lot of the, the Gallagher ambition is about the quality of what we offer customers ultimately and, and the kind of the quality of our team will dictate that
0: now that but now that you're properly part of the of the Gallagher fold is what, what sort of things will change uh, if, if anything Rupert?
1: so one of the beauties of starting company from a blank piece of paper, but having a very clear blueprint of what it is you're trying to achieve, um, is that when you come to this this inflection point, um, this transition moment, um, given that everything uh, we've done up until now has been in the vision of Gallagher, there's very little for us to do um, as a transition. So. Uh, Gallagher don't have a reinsurance operation it's not like we're merging with another business Um, so you know one of the unique parts of um, the communication to the Capsicum re-team was to to say to them that there are no planned redundancies I mean that's a totally unique situation in in M&A
0: because it was because you had a joint venture to start with you already built um, you already had the back end and everything all plugged into the right places
1: well there's that but also there's the fact that uh, Gallagher had no reinsurance uh, business at the time when, when Chile and I arrived in mm-hmm. 2013. So we started in a completely greenfield site uh, with a blank piece of paper. Um, we, um, as, as I've said, um, assimilated all the policies, processes and procedures of Gallagher. We didn't create anything bespoke. Uh, we promised Pat and... Uh, and the management team at the time, that that we would deliver something in their own vision, um, and that's exactly what we've done. So I think that's a really unique part of this transaction, that, um, yeah, value's been created uh, uh, for our clients, uh, for Gallagher, for ourselves, uh, but perhaps most importantly for um, for the wider Capsicum Reed team.
0: Well, probably a bigger question for both of you is, um, will there be any kind of culture change that you've you, both spoken in the media when the deal was announced last week about... Uh, the change from um, an entrepreneurial culture to, to one that's more perhaps a growth, a growth company culture. But, but now you're going to attract people who perhaps um, wouldn't have wanted to take the risk on a startup. And now you've definitely got a startup. You've got the revenues. You've got, the, you've got, you've got profit. Um, what sort of things are going to change? Or, or, uh, and will the Capsicum um, brand stay uh, and that kind of thing? There's a
2: number of questions wrapped up in that. I think, um, you know, culturally, very little, if anything, will change. I think, you know, as Rupert said, the beauty is they're already integrated. They're grown up, you know, aligned with with the Gallagher culture anyway, Um, you know, which is incredibly positive. Um, Your point about how do we get the next wave of recruits in? You know, and, and, and is something we said in the press last week, I think, you know, it's facts, some people are wired in a way that they would step out and take that risk. And, you know, when you're starting a new entity, it is risky and people have commitments, you know, family commitments, financial commitments that, that need honouring. So it takes a certain mindset to step out to be the initial guys into the unknown. I think
1: you call them uh, buccaneers. <laughs> I sort of had a, a, a sort and of mental picture. Avoid, of, I was just trying to avoid that word. No, no. I, think, I, I, I we Simon. I mean, Adventurers is probably yeah. the word I should have used.
2: Or it's entrepreneurs. Yeah, yes. yeah. And,
1: and that um, DNA is is pretty rare. I mean, if you think about, um, you know, Chile and I had a, had a particular reason for wanting to get into back into the reinsurance business. Um, and, and and encouraging people to come and join us. I mean, if you think about Raj, who was Raj Balasari who was the very first guy to come and join us. I mean, he's he was a 25-year vet of Aon. Um, you know the. Fundamental entrepreneurial spirit that was required in order to um, believe and have faith that what we were proposing was actually going to end up being exactly what it's been. But you know, it's all very well hindsight's twenty twenty. Um, but you know, if you go back to uh, April of uh, two thousand fourteen, when Raj resigned from from Aon, I mean, the the entrepreneurial spirit required by him and his team is almost unbelievable um, to, to contemplate now. And that DNA um, is is present in all of the partners of Capsicum irrespective of whether they joined early on or whether they came uh, during the process. All of them had to make these fundamental decisions about their own Lifestyles um, and, and take this risk, and as Simon and I were saying last week uh, when, when we were being asked this question, that is not to everyone's liking. But now, as 100% owned as Gallagher, um, that fundamental risk has disappeared. Um, and, and of course, being the fifth largest reinsurance broker in, in, at the end of phase five already gives us huge amount of momentum for um, going forward into reaching our aspirations, which was your first question.
0: Yeah, and just on, on the flip side of that, then all that huge entrepreneurial effort and that excitement um there's some people who who are built that way absolutely and then how do you keep them those that that cohort of people how do you keep them in the business and keep them excited about the next phase now
2: we've kind of well personal experience actually you know i've been through this when we when we started alesco and then and then went wholly owned you know how many years ago was that that was 2014 so you know a period ago and um i I think people bond together they hang together so they want to they want to be in the next growth stage. You, you, you know, have to look after people financially, but a lot of it is spiritual. You know, these are a tribe that grew up together and want to be together.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think it's uh, you know the the, the well-worn uh, phrase is culture, and you know we have really um, spent a lot of time in uh, the first phase of Capsicum Re, developing our own culture. And another way of asking the same question is, well, how is Capsicum Re going to maintain that culture now that it's 100% owned by Gallagher? And I think that's one of the unique parts of the Gallagher organization um, that I've come to know a little bit over the last six years. Um, you know some people call it the brokers broker um you know it is a place where um people are still able to express themselves to have an opinion um uh, uh, to be advocates on behalf of their clients um uh, rather than perhaps be um totally governed by um uh, process and, and, and procedure which which some might argue is the case in in, in the big 3 brokers currently
0: so, actually, uh, drawing on your own experience with with Aleska, Simon, d- did anything really fundamentally change when you went one hundred percent owned? Do you lose that? Do you lose any perception of, of of independence? I remember when Aleska was founded, probably ten years prior to that, you know, that, that fierce independence. Uh, you know, that, uh, that you probably wanted to not mention the word Gallagher anywhere near when you are working in a wholesale environment. Um, does, is there any worry that you might lose any sense of Capsicum being independent or or does that really not matter? Because I suppose Capsicum has always been transparently a joint venture with, with Gallag from day one. I just wanted to go into that.
2: Yeah, I, I don't think you'll lose anything, actually. I think if anything, you know, the point is the one that Rupert made, you know, we are in the next build-out phase and that's equally attractive to be in.
1: Yeah, I think... Um that there are some parts of uh, of the process that we've been going through over the last uh, couple of months uh, during the negotiations, and now, you know, coming out the other side, which are uh, quite challenging. If if you're the architect, which I am, uh, you know, along with Chile um, and Raj and Simon Bihag. you know, we're, we're the founders of the business. So you know, some some things that are that are presented as part of this process you know can be quite challenging like for example the brand which you mentioned earlier so you know innovate advocate inspire were three words that you know weren't just plucked out of the air they were they were they were identified by me as being the core tenets of the of the culture that we wanted to create um, and replacing that with the Gallagher company which is what our brand looks like now uh, that, that that creates you know some some um uh, some thought and, and some understanding in order to accept that change, which I, which I think is a brilliant change. I think this is a brilliant change for us because I think the Gallagher um, brand uh, now being uh, completely coterminous with the Capsicum rebrand is a brilliant sales tool, um, and I think the, um, the 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 reason that um, I'm not concerned about the cultural element of of the change that we're going through is one, uh, the cultural um, element of of Capsicum re is really deeply ingrained. Simon mentioned a tribe, and and you know these these are emotive words, but it's really true. Um, you know, we've we've built a foundation within the firm. We've raised over a million dollars and donated that to charities. You know, these things are really meaningful to our to our team. Um, and two, because um, as we mentioned already, um, we're not merging with an existing uh, reinsurance organisation. The, the 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 greenfield site opportunity um, for our clients, for our markets, and indeed for our team. Um, and I mean, the Capsicum Re team and the Gallagher team are absolutely immense. You know, if you think about our main competitors, um, they've had a lifetime of um, a, a reinsurance broker embedded into an insurance broker, and they've taken advantage of that situation over the last decades to create a um, uh, a situation where they have uh, such a lion's share um, of uh, reinsurance business. And We are still, I think, an upstart startup in respect of that, um, that we are going to be uh, providing a fundamental challenge. And um, I think clients really enjoy having this independent voice, having somebody who is um, not prepared to duck, is not prepared to uh, to toe the line, is prepared to advocate on behalf of their clients. And we found um, uh, over the last period that that's really meaningful to our clients and, and they love it.
0: Um, now but now that you're 100 percent aligned is there any plan to to um you know look at what gala has got gallagher's got retail globally and see places where you can leverage that
2: yeah absolutely i mean the two business two businesses should be fully intertwined um you know as long as we're serving customers to our best ability you know it can't really go wrong um so yeah absolutely i mean you know we're we're a huge substantial global broker now. Um, you know and the pace of change within the last decade is huge and and you know Capscom will will only benefit from that and and like and vice versa galago will benefit from the kind of the specialist capabilities that we we lacked before we had capscom
1: yeah uh, the the word leverage is seen as highly pejorative um and and, and perhaps uh, rightfully so i think what we're <clears throat> Excuse me. What we're focused on is um, the services uh, and the advocacy we supply to our clients, the representation of our markets um, and the opportunity to broaden the scope of that away from these um, uh, specialisations that we've created over time which have now become so meaningful. Um, uh, to us and to our clients uh, and to our markets, and, and, and the opportunity to work with Simon um, and, and particularly the team in the US um, to find new avenues for applying all those skills and capabilities in the reinsurance market, in the insurance market. Um, you know, the, 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 this is a highly dynamic um, and, and, and ever-changing environment that we have got some amazing uh, capabilities to, to, to tie into.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, these guys are closer to capital uh, than us. I mean, you know, and ultimately we want to bring capital forward to customers for their benefit. So, you know, the world is changing and and this gives us a kind of really good leg up into that.
0: Right. Well, it seems, uh, you know, this deal's happened at a really interesting time for the reinsurance market. We've got the MMC, JLT. Deal, which is obviously cascaded across the market, across retail, wholesale, and reinsurance. But the reinsurance markets, particularly, seem to be ripe at the first, uh, at a time um, f- more fluid than it's been for any time since, say, that initial uh, 2008 eon um, Benfield deal. So, how how are you going to sort of move to to make the most of some of that um, sort of talent that's sort of potentially able to be dislodged at a time like this?
1: The 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 first impact of um, MMC MMCJLT uh, for us anyway um, it, it is not necessarily relating to talent. Um, certainly, in, in in the last um, uh, six nine months um, since the deal took place, um, has really been all about clients. Um, so you just
0: you're getting opportunities to quote. you being asked to quote things that you've not yeah. got on on before. Absolutely,
1: yeah. I mean, there are specific examples where buyers of reinsurance for, for major UK institutions said to us in the immediate aftermath of that transaction, you are now part of our panel. We want um, this independent voice um, that JLT used to represent. Now they've been subsumed by MMC. Um, you know, we don't perceive them to be independent anymore. So you've got that gig. Come into this to this um, arrangement and, and start um, disrupting, offering uh, advice uh, in, in the way that in the way that you do. Now, um, one of the great benefits of completing the transaction with Gallagher is it takes away a lot of the uncertainty. You know, you know, speaking candidly, um, there's a certain amount of limbo to the capsicum re story uh, during 2019. Because if you're after um, producers um, or indeed account executives uh, in the reinsurance sector, um, you need to be able to give a clear understanding to that to that individual or that group of individuals as to what their what their opportunity potentially might be. And in the sort of um, period of of uncertainty running up to you know, will they, won't they consummate this this joint venture? That's very hard to do. That has all gone away, and one of the things that Simon and I spoke about a lot over the last couple of weeks is just the the momentum that that certainty is going to give us when we start thinking about how we want to um, add resource to to our existing capability, you know, be that in London or or, or indeed uh, as we've spoken quite a lot about uh, in the US. So something just occurred to me. Obviously
0: Gallagher very much obviously has. Probably the, one of the greatest consumators of M&A in uh, in 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 breaking history. That uh, you know, uh, if you uh, look at the stock exchange announcement from from Gallagher, it's probably an acquisition of some scale. Uh, a scale once a week. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think um, now that you're fully 100% uh, owner of uh, 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 of Capsicum, would you as as this scope for acquisition, a um, growing by acquisition at all?
2: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you know. Uh this is the great thing and I think this is one of the things that will attract talent uh, into us. You know, we've got a, a huge parent, a relatively greenfield global site in the reinsurance space uh, and they like acquisition. Um, you know, reinsurance, you, you know, from a financial perspective, if you get everything else right, it offers a great return on the dollars you invest if you get it right. And, um, you know, we have in-house experts to help advise on that now. Are there any any particular...
0: Uh, skills or 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 gaps that you've got as capsicum as, as as you know relatively small player that you're particularly keen on filling.
1: So Mark, I think you know the, the interesting thing uh about the journey so far is that um it's been hundred percent organic. You know, when you start with a blank piece of paper and nothing literally every dollar of revenue um, or every uh, dollar of GWP that goes through um, the capscan rebooks rebooked is, is uh, uh, a dollar that wasn't there before. So an amazing organic uh, uh, story, um, uh, zero acquisition during that period of time. Um, so uh, to answer the question specifically, um, the, the, the our competitors have been doing this for, for, for a really, really long time, you know, decades in some cases, um, you know, fifty, seventy-five, a hundred years. So it's gonna take us time to really um, catch up with them. So our aspirations, again, going back to one of your early questions, is not suddenly to be all things to all people, um and, and, and have a, a location in every every part of the world where reinsurance is bought. Um, but but in the first instance, our uh, business plan, Chile and my business plan, um, uh, had uh, a, a US capability embedded into the first phase. And, and we've achieved everything that we have achieved without actually um, uh, bringing any of that to life. So, um, given that Gallagher is a US-based company, um, that it has a huge US presence, uh, you know, the the obvious gap uh, for us is is in the US. So,
0: uh, where might the first sort of uh, caps-come-outposts within the Gallagher empire be? I mean, well, it's already
1: there. Well, we're, 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 we're already we're already got a, a a small enclave of of capability in New York, um, in North Carolina, and also in in Miami. So it's not like we're we're, we're not there at all. We've got licenses and and, and, and skills and capabilities. Um, uh, but, but rather obviously, with um, you know more than sixty percent of the global uh, reinsurance premiums coming out of North America, um, you know that is a that is a massive opportunity. So the fundamental question for us, from a strategic point of view, will be will we build or buy, um, and over what period of time? And and you know the, the very exciting part of all this is that Simon and I are just starting on that uh, on that uh, process together.
0: Thought it'd be really good. To ask you about the market itself, um, I've been reporting on this market. I've been living in this market since 1992 and working it, you know, in in staple form. Uh, in the midnight early 90s, I was, you know, in that hard market. But this seems like a really very interesting market turn situation that we're in at the moment. And now that you've 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 got you've got good timing. You've you've brought this thing together. You've got the resources. Um, what are opportunities do you think that this market is throwing up at you and obviously Simon as well in, in, your, in your core markets as well things are happening everywhere and, and perhaps a joined up approach with, with, with in-house reinsurance broker particularly smart ones that you've got uh, you must be excited about some of these opportunities, I'd love to hear sort of what sort of plans you might have in, in, yeah. there seems to be so much dislocation in different, so many different places that, we, that we're looking at at the moment
2: I, th- I think you raise a really good point I mean you know hard markets aren't that regular um you know and there's to be frank there's a talent of or a generation of talent that haven't seen it um and that creates quite an opportunity uh in itself because i think the hard market in any in any sector kind of separates the men from the boys if you like so you know that's where real customer advocacy really plays into your hands and we've always said we're a talent rich organization and that's that that particularly now you've got um you know you've got core of a team
0: you know some of the the benfield that benfield expertise was really renowned for going in if the market wasn't there they could go and get you a new market um are you excited by that sort of
2: prospect? yeah there's no doubt i mean one of the things that these guys are and i mentioned earlier they're close to capital and you know if we have if we have the chance to bring alternative forms of capital or risk transfer forward to our customers we absolutely should be looking at that
1: I, I think it's a a, a, a really interesting slash exciting uh, moment in in the cycle. Um, you know, I, 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 back in back in the day at Benfield, um, mid late nineties, you know, we were at the cutting edge of um, cat bonds and securitization, and you know, here we are, you know, twenty plus twenty five years later. Um, and and you know, if we'd been having this conversation you know, twenty four months ago, you know, we'd be saying, look. Hard market, hard market cycles—they're just never going to happen. This constant wall of capital that comes out of the hedge fund, ILS world—is is never going to stop. They're always going to find ways um, to put that capital to work. And so, the, the concept of class of ninety-two, class of ninety-five—you uh, know, whatever it happens to be—private equity-led um, capacity creation. You're referring to uh, Lancashire, Montpelier you know, firms that we were involved in in helping to create. That that feels like um, you know a, a, a story of 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 a bygone era
0: do you think we 're not quite there yet are we or?
1: i I think it 's going to be very hard well i 'm not saying it 's impossible that, that that private equity play will will ever come back again, but I still feel um, that it feels unlikely now if um, the um, the non c n n losses continue to come in. Um, and continue to uh, trap
0: Things that aren't on the news. Listen, if
1: you're mum and pup pup America and you're investing uh, through your pension fund into insurance on the back of a non-correlating asset class but over a three, four, five year period you keep on being told that actually this safe 10%, 7% return or whatever is actually, you're losing money. Mm Eventually you're going to get bored of that. Um, and want to go back to you know uh, a safer even if it is correlating a safer asset class so that's kind of what's happening um, in the reinsurance market right now is that um, uh, the uh, the types of business and the classes of business and um, the way that that capital is been put to work is fundamentally changing right in front of us and that's what's causing the hard market mm. um, now whether or not that is going to be so fundamental that we'll see a retraction of these, uh, a major continuing retraction of these ILS funds, which will eventually sweep um, the more traditional markets back to the fore. I think that depends a little bit on what happens in 2020.
0: Sorry to monopolise Rupert here on on ILS, but um, that is the big question. What's your gut feel in terms of this trap capital will it be released onto the market instead of uh, pouring uh, oil onto onto troubled waters, or will it? Will it? Is it likely to be redeemed and then extracted from the market?
1: Well, I think the clues in the in in the title mark I think is trapped. Um, so I don't think it can be redeemed um, until it's untrapped. And the question really is, in the event that it is uh, untrapped, the question then is, will the investors uh, allow it to be reinvested, or will they then redeem it? And, so it's, and, still, uh, a at the it's still a question. It's still a question, and and. Um, I suppose in the first instance um it it it's it's um the technical side of it is it's how to untrap it um but leaving that to one side um certainly everything um that 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 i 've heard from um uh, people like Matt Fitzgerald who are you know right at the vanguard of 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 this type of reinsurance um is that yes times are difficult and um, the aggregate covers that, um, uh, that some of the uh, uh, quoted shares and the aggregate covers that um, the hedge funds, the ILS funds, have been um, uh, using to put their capital to work over the last four or five years, that, that, that is a thing of the past. They, they've now returned to uh, more excess of loss. Um, event type of uh, covers and so that's where this this tightening of the market is coming uh, through and we're about to go um, at the beginning of March um, to uh, a Gallagher sales meeting 3,500 people gathering um, to, to uh, talk about uh, our business, and, and reinsurance is going to be uh, uh, part of that now, which is fantastic. And we're going to be making a presentation that's, that's titled uh, "Reinsurance: The Lifeblood of the Insurance Market," um, and, and, and it's going to be quite interesting for, for that group of people to hear about the um, the impact that reinsurance has on the wider market. And I think if you're not in the reinsurance market, or you're not, um, uh, you don't understand the impact of reinsurance on insurance. And, and this is where the tightening comes as the costs of reinsurance go up those costs have to go somewhere and they eventually are passed down the line uh, through the wholesale market eventually into the retail market Um, and and so the tightening in the reinsurance market eventually does lead to uh, a general tightening uh, in in the overall market.
2: Yeah but you know just to just to add on for that I mean it's a dynamic market we're in and and you know our, our, our whole ethos is is to manage problems uh and you know if if a capacity crunch is a problem you know it will be an opportunity for someone else so you, you know it's just where the river evolves to
0: yep. um us journalists have been talking about casualty a lot recently and about you know potential casualty crunch uh we've seen pricing go up in DNO we've seen lots of excess particularly us exposed casualty but then we've got anything with casualty in it um seems to be um uh difficult at the moment in uh, starting with you, Simon, talk about some of the opportunities that you're seeing in that marketplace. Uh, it, or for one, do you
2: believe that there's a casualty kind of crisis happening, or is that too strong? I think I think casualty is a very difficult market, um, and particularly the US casualty. Um, I think you know it's fair to say we're seeing price increments. Um, you know, it seems to be there's there's some reserving issues, um, and and you know and also the thoughts of some of the advisors uh, around that so you know I think that that is going to be quite a fraught market for a while Um, but you know ultimately uh, uh, you know we're there to solve customers issues be that direct or reinsurance so I think in in this kind of market we'll end up picking up more customers So do you think this 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 harder market might be more of a
0: sort of ACE and XL type harder market, with, which is casualty led rather than sort of property cat led that we've had back in the old days.
1: Um, I'm not I'm not sure that I can answer that. I mean, one one of the interesting dynamics of uh, of um and, and and indeed this conversation is that. Um, the the expertise that I've brought to the project um, hasn't been necessarily around the broking side, it's been around platform creation, design, architecture. Um, So you know I I I think a future podcast um, uh, you know you'd have an interesting conversation with um, you know the hardline practitioners. Um, I'm I I guess I'm confessing to being one step uh, removed from that. We can talk
0: about that because actually. What else is going on? Obviously, what's been particularly interesting is, um, obviously, it's been more high-profile because everything at Lloyd's is high-profile and everything is done in public uh, with the Blueprint 1. we've But we seem to be able to face all over the insurance industry of um, uh, finally a, a realisation that the nettles have to be grasped and maybe platforms are slightly burning or at least a little bit singed and that it's a time of the market to be uh, reorganising itself. And, of course, when we've got the same time, we've got pressure from insure tech and other things and potential for disruption um i mean are you getting excited at all by some of the blueprint one uh reforms and some of the changes that are happening but uh, very large carriers and some of the insure techs and obviously what we've seen, different uh new insurance trading platforms appearing and all sorts of things I'd just like to have your view on some of this this new sort of new reinvigoration of some of the enthusiasm for uh, transformational projects that we seem to have seen in the last couple of
1: years. Are there anything that particularly? I think in the in the, in the very first instance, a great opportunity for me to get onto my favourite hobby horse of uh, nomenclature. So whoever came up with the word insurtech, they didn't call it finantech; they called it fintech. So we should really call it instech because that would be a much easier way uh, but, for us to. Uh, to uh, my to, my to friends refer at
0: InsTech London will be very very glad you said that.
1: <laughs> so instech is is clearly the right uh, nomenclature, but. But um, you know I think uh, again um, you know we can go back in history um, you know uh, RI3k um, uh, uh, the 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 cat exchange uh, that was built in, no, Ifex. in uh, uh, exactly Ifex was was another one that was a CBOT uh, cat futures uh, you know going right back to the early '90s so you know th- there have been a lot of uh, bleeding edge um, uh, projects that have tried desperately to break into do you the think inert these, market. I
0: mean, we've got, I did, we don't need to name their names here, but do you think, there's a couple of reasonably high profile ones. Do you think they're going to get traction where others didn't?
1: I think it really, really, for me anyway, Simon, I'm sure you've got a view, but for me anyway, it it, it ultimately depends on leadership. Um, you know, these things have to be led. Uh, John Neal, I think, is doing a, a great job at leading um, and, and showing the way. And, and but, but that leadership challenge, I think, is absolutely fundamental. It's easy to create a well, not easy, relatively easy to create a blueprint. It's I think very very has proven to be very very difficult to get an inert marketplace to change.
2: Yeah, to drive implementation is going to be mission critical. I think John's doing a great job actually, as well. I think um, the syndicate in a box, I think, could be transformational. I, I think that's really exciting. I think, you know, clearly driving unnecessary and unwarranted cost out of the business, you know, is is going to be um, transformational for them as well.
0: I mean, as a wholesale broker, you know, by by trade, you know, are you excited by some of these performances? The potential of being able to get into Lloyd's access capacity, very large amounts of capacity that's all assembled behind a lead line, uh and you know in fact probably with someone like Rupert organizing some of that at the back end for you and be able to show that to your customers and say this is the Gallagher our new Gallagher scheme here which is a billion dollars straight up front
2: yeah clearly and I think that's one of the advantages of being one of the biggest brokers in the world um and you know and I think there's certain dynamics in the market that have changed and will change forever um and some of that's around scale these these,
0: these are the things that you'd be looking at yeah i mean,
1: I, I like to try and visualize things, so you know the, the way Simon and I've talked about this over time is is if you think about it in terms of pipe work um, you know if you, if you can create a pipe that is um, that is very smooth. Um, and, and nothing can snag on it on the way through, and you can create efficiency in that way. Um, you know, if you have um, what Gallagher has, which is a, a huge distribution capability, global uh, distribution capability, um, and you can understand the needs and requirements of both your clients at one end and your markets at the other end, that pipework can be developed to be ultra-smooth, ultra-efficient and, and rather than it being scattered you know, across a huge array of uh, recipients, be they clients or markets, it can be directed as a hose can be and, and, and can be poured into one particular place. And, and I think if we um, as leaders in the industry can start um, uh, affecting the right behavioural change with our practitioners um, and, and, and really focus on the requirements of our clients in particular, I think that's an incredibly exciting opportunity. And, and and it is partly tech driven, um, so the ins tech uh, guys who are out there doing amazing things. Um, again, if they can if they can fundamentally find new ways of doing things, um, of, of distributing, of selling things, then fantastic.
0: And actually, on on that kind of line, is that something that you you not you know uh, there there are other things in the market other. Other brokers have set up, uh, you know, kind of technology-focused arms to their to their businesses. Anything you're looking to doing, or or have you already done it but done it slightly under the radar so we don't know about it?
2: No, we have. A, I mean, we have a, our parent in the states have a a, a kind of tech uh, watch department, if you like. So we're we're kind of always looking over the sector, um, and and there are some things in there that are genuinely interesting to us. I think. Um, yeah, I think we're just just mar- marking our position, if you like.
1: I think I think um, it's very hard mark in in the in the environment in which we're transacting. To be that um, talking about reinsurance specifically, um, you know, as, as a secondary and, and sometimes even tertiary market, it's very hard to be the drivers of technological uh, change. You know, really the technological change or the um, or the environment change needs to happen at the front end, and eventually that that will that will come through. ILS markets I think are a great example of of change that's taken place over the last twenty years um that have that have fundamentally changed the marketplace there's, there's in my opinion um there's no way um that they're going to disappear they may change they may morph um become uh, uh different providers but you know they're, they're probably um uh, from a reinsurance point of view right at the vanguard of instech or reinstech which is a word i've
2: just created which is great and i think our ability and willingness to embrace change is changing you know, our appetite for change is changing. You know, if you look at the adoption rates on PPL, uh, if you you know, if you five years ago you were going to say we were going to be in this position now, most people would have been sceptical. There's well, something like PPL. Um,
0: how, how, hard is it going to, how hard has it been to get brokers to actually use it for quoting business rather than just using it when the firm order comes in to, to backfill.
2: Yeah, we've been we've been against backfilling because it kind of it, 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 it kind of um, what's the right word? It, it becomes a farce. Do in you using know something it.
0: where user experience should really be invested in? Because you know, I remember I, I bumped into an old friend and, in the market and, and said, "Are you using PPLs?" "No, I'm just using it when I get a firm order." And I said, "Well, why is that?" I said, "Well, you know, I've got seven t- – my clients like to have 17 different options with different deductibles and sub limits and whatever and and then the firm order comes in it's not it's none of the above but it's something sort of approximate to one of the options i almost quoted
2: yeah so i think ppm might not be the the complete answer yet but it's a significant step in the right direction and harmonizing and standardizing some of the way we we process our work um is to the whole market's benefit
0: great um one thing I didn't, I'm not sure I caught you, I need to pin you down, uh, on the Capsicum marine name yeah. brand, is that something that is going to be, is going to stick or is it, it, or would it be sort of phased out over time? Or
1: In the first instance, um, there's no way uh, that the, the brand is changing overnight. Um, again, uh, the value in the brand has been hard fought. Um, Simon will have a, uh, have an opinion, but my my understanding is that Gallagher have a house view that eventually um, they want their brands to be um, uh, similar, um, if not exactly the same. So you know, over the medium to long term, um, you know, should we expect at some point to see the Capsicum rebrand be more assimilated into the Gallagher brand? Absolutely, um, uh, but in the first instance, um, you know, we've made this fundamental move to being Capsicum re. A Gallagher company, um, which is which is a great step forward for us. So, you know, there, there's a lot of emotion uh, around brand, and you know, I created the brand. Uh, it's obviously a play on Chile's name, so Chile himself uh, is very personally attached to it, as, as you'd expect. Um, but Re r- has a ring, though, doesn't it? <laughs> Swallow re probably wouldn't have gone anywhere. Let's be honest with each other. Um, so, uh, you no, know, it, it is now part of the. It's part of the legend, right? It's part of the vernacular of uh, certainly our part of the reinsurance market. We're incredibly proud of it, but it, it, it's it's going to be uh, a Gallagher the, the company. But the Benfield
0: name certainly survived a very long time. So
1: yeah, exactly, and people still talk about that. Um, you know, in, in in very positive terms. So if we can end up uh, being regarded in a similar vein um, to Benfield over time. I would I will, I will consider that a, a, a personally uh, a fantastic achievement.
0: Okay, b- b- running on with time, but just quickly um, from both of your, from the insurance and the reinsurance side, just any uh, any snippets sort of looking forward to one four, and mid year renewals sort of thing. What are the sort of things that you're telling your clients uh, to be expecting in terms of where the market's going? Uh, you know, for, just forward looking moves for 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 one four and mid year.
1: From from a reinsurance point of view, um, you know the, the the general tone is one of tightening, uh, one of hardening. You know it, it's it's not universal. It's 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 in its own pockets, um, uh, but 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 overall, um, that's the direction of travel. I think this this uh, previous constant softening of the market, there is a line in the sand now. So you know, I don't think there there are very few places where uh, prices will be coming off. Um, you know, there's a floor. Um, and in certain specific areas, um, clients already uh, will be expecting uh, a certain amount of hardening.
2: And, and Rupert, yeah, absolutely echo that. And and Rupert used the word that I would say it's a pocketed hard market. Uh, and I think, you know, in that you need increased communication with your customers. You know, they don't like unpleasant shocks. Um, and, you know, a, a very good dialogue and a plan around how we're going to manage it.
0: Well, great. Um we're Coming to the end of our time, um, so do you think we've covered everything? If there's anything you'd like to add, any of the fire? yeah, I'd like. Shots?
1: I mean, this is a well, this is a unique experience for me. I've never done a podcast before. I'm looking at, I'm looking worried at, he's uh, going to sing. <laughs> oh, thank you very
2: well.
0: Thanks very much no, for doing no, it. It's the first it's, time for, I hadn't done one until about uh, <laughs> ago, so nice. no, no,
1: sweet Caroline, but but uh, you know, it'll be it, it'll be interesting, I think, very interesting, uh, Mark to hear back from you uh, as, as to the feedback you're getting. Um, I think it's a, it's a great, um, uh, thing that you're doing uh building podcasts in the insurance industry and the insurance industry has been so maligned over time as being kind of this this sort of uh Side pocket, underbelly of 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 uh, the of the city of the capital markets, and um, you know it'll be fantastic uh, to to see how you get on with it all. And it's a brilliant opportunity for me to say uh, to any of the listeners who are involved in Capscomry, either team members, clients, markets, um, how incredibly uh, grateful we are to them for all their support, and indeed to Gallagher. Um, it's been uh, an amazing uh, ride. Uh, an incredible opportunity to start a company. So, uh, um, yeah, and you from would to any of your favorite. new
0: colleagues at uh, Gallagher all over yeah. the world uh, to, yeah. to get in touch with you and if they've got some ideas that need uh, reinsurance support, then...
2: 100%, yeah, 100%. Yeah, and I guess I'll just add the kind of the adventure's only just begin. beginning. I think, um, you know, this is really exciting. This, I think it's one of the most exciting things I've ever been involved in. No, congratulations on the deal because i remember taking the call uh,
0: uh, back at, uh, in the insurance inside a news desk office uh, you know six years ago and i stayed late to write that story uh, uh, and it was a great uh, 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 but you know we'd had um, difficult times before with gallaghery and it hadn't worked out and uh, you know they explained why it was going to be different this time and you know you're a journalist you take it with a pinch of, po- pinch of salt a little bit skeptical of course and uh, you've uh, You've gone and done it, so congratulations uh, to both of you for doing that. So, appreciate it. Uh, the credit's
2: for Rupert, actually, but yeah, thank you. Well,
1: actually, to be honest, it's not really for me at all, it's for, it's for the team. So, uh, sounds like we're, we're moving into Oscar's territory here, but uh, uh, no, really, really, appreciate the time. But
0: yeah, stop, stop before it gets too gushy, uh,
1: exactly. Great, thanks a lot, thank you. Cheers.
0: The Voice of Insurance is produced by me, Mark Gagan. Music was written by Anna Gagan and produced by Carlos Gagan. Check out more podcasts and written comment pieces at www.thevoiceofinsurance.com.